Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Us Irish, we love to talk and no one talks like the Irish. No one has as much vocabulary or as many different accents as we do. Nowhere else in the world can you travel five miles down the road and get a completely different accent and 15 completely new words. We say drunk in many different ways and we say go out and get the shift in many, many other different ways. And we love conversations. This podcast, Tis Yourself, is dedicated to conversations with some of the most famous people and most well-known people around. Whether they're from this little island or from abroad, I chat to them in our unique Irish way to get the conversation going and find the person behind the public persona. This is Tis Yourself. Any crack? I'd murder about pens. Ah, lads, I'm in a bleeding bow jangle. Ah, Jesus. Are you messing? No better than that. He's some dolls. He's bleeding massive. Some shiba. Top of the morning to you. How are you getting on? What's the crack? How are you doing? This is the Tis Yourself podcast and Tis Myself, Nicola Barden, here with you again this week. And really, really appreciate you for press and play. Your fair sound. You're very sound person, can I just say that? For press and play and coming to listen to this little podcast. Now, if you've never listened before, the whole premise behind Tis Yourself is, I suppose, it's an Irish podcast where using, I suppose, our conversation skills, the gift of the gab, the, all that kind of crack, we get the best out of our guests. And we kind of talk about the, I kind of chat to them about the person behind the public persona. So what are they known best for? Like, is it a TV show? Is it a TV role? Is it a movie? Is it a song? You know, is it politics? Whatever it is, what are they known best to the public for? And who is the person behind that public persona? So last week I had the fabulous Denise Nolan on with me. Um, Obviously, she's from the Nolan sisters. She was the first to leave the band. So she was talking all about that. She also was speaking about, um, you know, what some, some words that mean words that were said to her as a child and how that has played on as she is nearly 70 now. And it's still affecting her confidence. So that was a really fascinating chat and obviously um, got a great reception because the Nolan fans are amazing. And a lot of people then went back and listened to the episode with Linda and Anne, which we had in season one. And that was great. So that gave that a little boost too. That is currently sitting at number 10 in the most listened to episodes. But I think my guest today is definitely a contender, definitely to break into the top 10 and, you know, bypass a lot of people. One other, um, well, I suppose a co-star, former co-star of his, Sarah Jane Dunn, was our first episode this series and she is 
just about 15 listens away from the top 10. So if she gets a surge today, that's it. She's knocked some people out. So if you have um, a favourite, go and share that with some other people. If there was an episode that you really enjoyed, go and share it with some other fans. I'm sure, you know, there are some fan groups out there that listen to these episodes. So do go and share them. Anyway, that's enough of me blathering on and on and on. I have to talk to you about my guest today. He has been in some of the most iconic shows that we have had in the last 10 years. He's been on Britain's Got Talent when he was only a kid. Like, I mean, kid, kid. Telling jokes, entertaining Simon Cowell, getting through to the semi-finals. He's been on The Inbetweeners. Yeah, The Inbetweeners. And tried to start a fight with Simon. And that's an iconic scene in anyone who ever watched The Inbetweeners knows it. He's been in Hollyoaks and now he's the star of EastEnders playing, well, what we could only call a racist. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride for my next guest, Mr. Charlie Wernham. And he was absolutely a joy to chat to. He was, it was one of those interviews that um, we actually didn't even go, let's start the interview because we came on to Zoom and just started chatting straight away. I had to cut a lot of that stuff out because we just had some serious crack talking about stuff that you can't hear. I'm sorry, people. Um, but then next thing I knew, we were the interview was happening. So I was like, oh, Jeannie Mac, how do we... We didn't even plan to... We were to start this, but we kept going. And as you'll hear in this episode, we had the best crack. He's absolutely gas. And if you are that girl from Nando's, you'll understand what that means in a minute. If you're the girl from Nando's, reach out to me. Find me on Instagram. Find me on Tis Yourself or Nicola Barden and send me a message. I'd love to hear your story. So anyway, I'll let you be and I'll let you listen to this lovely chat with Charlie. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Hi. how are how you? you? Yeah, good, really good. Yeah, a bit manic, but all, all all right. Not bad. How are you? Good. And I'd say you're busy at work now, are you? Yeah, so it's been it's been madly busy the last 18 months work that acting wise. So um yeah, it's luckily I, I as soon as I got the party standards I'm just finishing, um I told him my wedding dates and it was it was fine, which thank God, because I don't think that had gone down well. Yeah. Um, so yeah luckily it's just now it's just a case of anything else booking and just working around it so um yeah but luckily it's it's, it's 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 working out okay which is all i can ask you're you're More a man that is known for like so many different things like you know you're still so young but yet so i instantly remembered you from hollyoaks when you came on to me standards i was like that's the guy from hollyoaks uh, with, <laughs> with the twin brother who stole his twin brother's girlfriend halfway through i was like yeah. oh yeah I remember. And then some, my sister was with me. She's like, no, that's the guy from the Inbetweeners. I was like, what? She's like, the one that was trying to fight Simon. So for a man that's like still so young, and then of course, Britain's Got Talent, Andy Stenders, you're fairly notched up some iconic shows. Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky to do quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of shows that I like um, and people around me like, which has been quite nice. It's always nice to do something known. Um and yeah, I've been quite lucky. I started when I was 14. Started doing the, I did the Inbetweeners, the School of Comedy, some other bits. And I didn't know the Inbetweeners was going to be as big as it probably was when when when, when I'd done it. I say it's only a small part. I think I've only done two scenes in it. But I get recognised that quite a lot. I think it's because I'm still the same height. 
and um, <laughs> have the same voice. <laughs> uh, so I'm just a little bit taller and older, and slightly taller, but a bit older now. So, um, yeah, I get recognised for that quite a lot, um, which is great. It's great to say that I was in that show because I know it's one of them things that's going to live on forever and especially in the UK, mm. I think you're going to be saying, I know my kids will end up watching. I know kids nowadays that are 14, 15, they watch it, they quote it. So it's nice to say I've done that. Um, Hollyoaks, yeah, I know a lot of my friends used to watch that, so it's nice to, to get that, get to do that. And then EastEnders was one that I grew up watching um, and my family have always watched, so it was really nice to to do to do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been I've been very lucky. I've done a lot of stuff that, I've liked watching, and as I said, and, and the others have, have, have watched as well. And I've been embedded in sort of British TV sort of history for years and years, and hopefully years to come. So yeah, like, and that's that's pretty cool. Like considering when you went on Britain's Got Talent, you were so young, and obviously it wasn't acting. You know, went on did, did your little yeah. your jokes and stuff, and you know, yeah. um, your little bit of comedy as a kid. But like, then you had to go back to a normal life after that. Like, how do you do that after being on a show that big? Yeah, luckily my friends are great. They always sort of kept, well, they bring me down to earth. I'm always the butt of the jokes and and <laughs> it's, um, it's, they're, they're always I'm the same group of mates throughout my whole life. So from, from when I was about 14, 15. So um, it doesn't matter what I do or what I've done or what I was busy doing, it's irrelevant to them in a way, you know, they're proud of like anything. Me getting an acting job is the same as my mate who's an accountant getting a promotion. It's no, it's not a thing where it's, oh, wow, that's a mate, you know. It's it's just, we, we don't really talk about it, which is great because um, they're my mates and that's what, my family and my friends are what help you sort of just get on with it. And they're there when, you've, when you're having a bit of a rubbish couple of months and you haven't got no work or you've missed out on a few jobs or you've got a couple of close calls and didn't quite get it. They're there to say, crack on keep going don't matter you know and, and remind you of the good stuff you've done and so they're, they're your sort of um sort of your your sort of um balancing act if you like where they keep you motivated but keep you down to earth and i don't know whether they know they do that but they certainly do and um yeah it's kind of i just went back to school after that i think i did bad education series one when i was in sixth form uh, I missed my exams because I was doing it. And then <laughs> um, I had to make a decision what to do. I was like, well, I want to do this, so I might as well do it. And I, re- 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 I studied again, all the thing I was studying to do them in the second year. Then we got a second series, so I missed them all again anyway and dropped out. So, um, yeah, so it's been one of the things where I was always going back to school after. Um, so it never really, nothing ever changed. And I like that. I do like that. Your friends, they might not have cared that you're getting these big acting jobs. I'd say they cared for me. You didn't have to do your exams. They're like, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it was me. I was worrying about it. I was going, well, you know, I've worked, and it was annoying. I worked hard for them because it was sixth form. I thought, you're doing stuff you like. So I was doing drama and whatever. And I just, it was one of the things where it's kind of, I felt like, although it's a pivotal part of your life, and I was, I had my head screwed on a bit at that age. I just thought, what's the point in studying for something that I want to do when I've got the job off of there? Mm-hmm. And you know it would have been. I think it'd have been silly to not do it. You know, it's like you know studying to be an architect and then getting an apprenticeship and not taking it because you want to study it. So it did. It wouldn't have made any sense for me. So um, yeah. So so for me, it was you know I I didn't really like school too much, but the school I went to was amazing with um, with supporting me. Um, it wasn't an acting school; it was a state school, um, Billericay School. 
obviously in Billericay. And they were great. They let me have the time off I needed as long as I was doing my tutoring. Um, and they supported me and let me do extra drama. Um, and they were just, they were amazing, amazing, amazing school. And the teachers and my mates were all, all brilliant. And I probably wouldn't have been able to do it about them and all. So wicked. Well, it's a good thing you did decide to go ahead with it because you never know if you would have got those opportunities that you've gotten if you, yeah. let's say, taken the exams. Well, to be fair, it's one of the things where, like, about uh, education, we've done three series. We've done a film. Um, we've done a Christmas special. So we definitely got, definitely milked it, which was great. <laughs> but people loved it. So it was brilliant. So we love making it. Um, and then my agent now, Ollie, he's 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 very good friends with with Jack Whitehall, who wrote the show and was in it. So Jack introduced me to him. So things just kick on, things snowball. And I'm a big believer in fate. So, it, you know, it's one of them. It, without doing that, I certainly wouldn't have done half the stuff I've, I've done um, and been lucky enough to, to work doing what I like, getting paid for it and making a sort of trying to make a career out of it, you know. Well, obviously we've mentioned like you've been very lucky with some great parts. Has there been times where you've kind of not had those things, you know, stretches of a few months where nothing's coming through or you're not getting the Oh, audience? yeah. More time, you're out of work more times than you're in it. Yeah, you know, as most people, unless you're, you know, unless you're lucky enough to to get down the line and be established and, you know, you've got dramas get coming out your ears and a part in this film, part in that film, and you're trying to make the dates work, it's very hard. I mean, I, I was very lucky. I think I literally, it's very difficult because once you finish a job, you're like, right, what am I doing? What am I going to do now? Um, some people like to just wait for the next acting job to come in. I can't do that because I feel like I'm just... What, like, you know, I've got no purpose, so I always try and do something else. I've got a couple of businesses that I set up over the years to sort of support me when I'm not working, when I'm not acting. Because I, I think no matter whether you, when you stop acting, you've got to do something to keep creative, whether it's writing, it might be dancing, it might be singing, performing, it could be anything. But mine is I like, I get my business head on and, 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 do some business stuff. And that's what, what I like doing. It keeps me sharp and, um, creative in that sense and then when an actual job comes in I'm sort of I've, I've, I've not sat on the sofa doing nothing for, for four months you know but there, there, there was a time and I think through just before COVID I mean when I finished Hollyoaks I did a couple of jobs a couple of films um, and then I had a bit of a period where um, I wasn't doing much and then it, it gets it takes its toll as a funny casting bracket and then yeah it was weird like COVID hit and then that puts everyone out of work. So I wasn't the only person, you know, there's a lot of people worse off than I was due throughout, throughout COVID um, and lockdown. But I was I was lucky enough to when it when it sort of got lifted last start of last year, I did a job for HBO uh, for a couple of months. And then I went straight on to another job for Apple, which was another couple of months. And then I got the offer for EastEnders and I was there. I started there in August and I'm still there now. And then I've got some stuff lined up for the summer. So it's just a stupid business where you can do nothing for ages and then you can then you can not stop for a year. So it is like doing the lottery every day while doing it, but you do have to ride the hard times because most of the time it doesn't just don't just do one job and it stays out forever. You can have five great jobs and then not work for six months. So um, it's definitely, you have to take the rough of the smooth 100%. You're very sensible like to have that like to know that in the sense that you've set up these businesses you're working them going right this i can't sit around for four months and hope that you know scripts are coming in because a lot of actors don't get that until maybe you know they're in their 40s and they've gone through a really bad period where nothing's happened if you've been on big shows like you've been on you know it's hard to step back and go oh, another big show is not going to come along because obviously i was in these other 
huge shows. Surely it's all going to, you know, work it out. For, but for you, you were like, I'm going to have a fallback. Yeah, I've got, you've got to. I think you can't, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of, I've got a lot of friends in the business and um, some of them have done that. Some of them have got a job they go back to. Um, it is difficult because there's not many jobs you can say, I need to leave at three today because I've got a tape to do. <laughs> the boss will go, I don't care, you're on till six. You know, well, is it all right to have three months off while I go and do this sitcom and then come back and carry on working? <laughs> no. You know, so it's very rare that you're lucky to do that. So I've got to work for myself, essentially. Um, but I just, I think I just have a bit of a different outlook on acting altogether, I think, from a lot of people I know. A lot of people expect that I've done drama school, I've had a couple of success uh, stories with some jobs I've done, sort of well-known or, you know, I've done some good bits. You know, I should be working. Well, yeah, we all think we should be working. Yeah. But just because you're good doesn't mean you're going to work. You know, I know loads of people that are amazing at what they do. They just haven't, they're not, they're not employed at the moment, you know, acting-wise. Um, and it's one of them things where I've always felt so lucky to do it. Every time I get a job, whether it's for three days, three months, whatever, um, I feel so lucky to be doing it because I love it um, that, you know, I know that it's not something you should you just, you just get all, all the time. Hopefully it gets to the point one day where, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I always feel optimistic that it's going to be ones where you've got a drama, then I'm onto that drama, then I'm onto this film, then I've got to do a bit of that, then I'm in this for a bit, you know, and you can have a, a year mapped out before you've even started. Uh, that's the dream. The dream is not to be well-known, but to just get paid constantly for doing what you love, whether people watch it or not. Um, but, you know, if that's not that's not reality all the time. So, yeah, I, ha- I, I realised that pretty quickly because I just, I always felt like I was winging it a bit and a little bit like out of my depth. So I always thought the bubble was going to be burst at some point. So I just need to be prepared for when it does. But things just keep getting a bit better and better. And this comes in, that comes in. And um, if I can do them both at the same time, then fantastic. Some actors who don't, um, who I suppose never want to be known as a soap actor, I suppose, or do a soap stint. But then there's the others who, like yourself, would be realistic to go, you could be in the soap for a year. They could say to you, this is a year contract. You're going to be here. It's you know, yeah. five days a week work, which is a salary, essentially. Mm. And that's like safe and brilliant. If you have that, why would you just keep always wondering, trying to get three days, three days, one day? There's there's, there's an old fashioned stigma attached to soaps, mm. which I don't really like because it's just uh, you know, not for me. It's, I don't mind it when people are not sent necessarily in the business say, oh, you're going to get known as that. You're going to get known as that. And it's a bit like, be quiet. You don't know anything about it. You know, I don't know anything about plumbing, so I won't tell you how to fix the downpipe. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I don't mind because they, they don't know, but people who are in the job, I don't like it when they're not working, they turn their nose up at it or, or they get a job in a soap and they go, well, I'll only do a year. And you think, why? Just ride it out. Enjoy it. You're working, you're getting paid and you're going to learn a lot. So, you know, so to do it and embrace it and, and 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 enjoy it. And I think doing EastEnders, by doing Hollyoaks first, I was at a bit of a head start on the way soaps work. Mm-hmm. They're the most hectic thing you'll ever do. You know, you're learning scenes and five scenes a night before, you do five scenes the next day. And once you've done them five scenes, you've got to go and you've got to learn another five scenes and then you're going to go and do them again the next day. So it is crazy. And they'll throw it on you in the morning and go, that scene you've learned, ignore that, has changed. There's this new one now. So you've got to be, you've got to be able to change pretty quickly and adapt. Um, so I had that head start. So it wasn't as daunting as it might have been had I have not done a soap before, which made me really lucky to be able to take it all in and embrace it and enjoy it and 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 enjoy the time I've I've had there. So 
I, I, you know, I would say anyone that's looking at gets a soap offer, do it. And there's, as I said, there's a stigma attached to it. But I know some great actors that are in Game of Thrones. You know, they're in they're in Peaky Blinders. You know, you look at you've got and Natalie Emmanuel, Emmett Scanlon, people like that that are literally smashing it. You know, they've got work coming out their ears, whether it's in Britain, America, whatever the job is. They were in Hollyoaks. Mm. You know, so it, it, it is irrelevant. It's, it's how you had, if you go in, you do a good job and you keep, you know, you go under the radar, you know, in 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 your sort of the public eye, but you just turn up and do a good job and you smash it. That's what you've been known as. You've been known as a good actor. But if you want to go and you want to do it for a long time and you want to do all the other stuff that comes with it, then crack on and do that as well. But I think in the old days, a long time ago, if, you know, when soaps were, Sort of, you had four channels. Everyone had a soap, and that was all everyone watched. It was very difficult to be re- seen as something else, but it's not the case anymore. So, I think I, anyone that gets the opportunity to do it, you won't get a better training ground than a, than a soap. No, because as you said, not only those changes, but you also there's crew changes, staff changes. So you don't know where yeah. the director of Hollyoaks is going to be in three years' time. You don't know where the writer is going to be or the casting agent, and it can be they're remembering someone who turned up on time who always had learned the lines and knew, never complained about anything they're going to go oh yeah well let me remember remember charlie was like that let's let's call him in yeah it's it's difficult it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing especially on a soap because it's like a nine to five you are in every day most of the time from silly o'clock in the morning till end of the day um and you're all there to achieve one goal whether you're cast crew wardrobe makeup art department director writing team whatever you are you're there to achieve the same thing that's made the show as good as it can be uh, and to tell a story so you do have you do have days where you're knackered and you're trying to all do the same thing but you have different ideas and it's like any workspace you know whether you work in a bank you work in a you know in an office wherever it is you're going to have things where you just think, do you know what, today's been a rubbish day. And then you have days, today's been a great day. And you're going to have an argument with that person then resolve that and have a different idea to that person. So, um, and you're in close proximity all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just like any other job, but, you know, with, with a soap, I just think I, I can't speak highly enough of, um, of working there on any one of them because they're all great. And there'll be some days you're doing, you've got a day where you're doing a bit of comedy in the morning doing some funny scenes, you're crying your eyes out in the afternoon and you're having a punch up at six o'clock. So you're not <laughs> going to have many shows like that where you're, you know, you're doing a bit of romance, you're a bit of comedy, you're doing a bit of this and you can literally, you can start tooling up your armory for, for when you get asked to do something else. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can't speak highly enough of, of learning your craft on a, on a, on a soap. Robbie was, uh, and his family were very much a uh, very loved um, family on Hollyoaks when it was on. It must've been hard to kind of step away from that, was it? Settled in very quickly into Hollywood, became very much part of storylines. And then, you know, for you to step away as an actor going, do I give up this part? You know, that's kind of hard. Yeah, it was my decision to leave. I think I did three and a half years Mm. um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved the show. Brilliant show. What a bunch of people. Love Liverpool. I love the city. I love the people. I loved everything about being up there. Um, but it was just my time, I think. I did, um, I've done a lot while I was there. I, I counted up my episodes and did a lot of episodes when I was there, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and it was a long time, as I said, about three and a half years. And I, I mentioned about doing all doing this, doing that, doing a bit of this, doing a bit of that. And mm. I felt like I'd done a lot and I'd managed to work with a lot of people. 
and it and I was doing bad education at the same time. So I did the series three, and then we done the Christmas special, I think, and then we did the film. So I had a couple of months off to do the film, and that was when I got my new agent. And I got to about the age, of, I think, it was about twenty one, um, and I was ready to move back home now to, to, to the southeast. And I just it just everything sort of fell into place, and I thought, right now, now's the time I want to. I'm ready to go. Um, and it wasn't an easy decision. I know they wanted me to stay for a bit longer, but I feel like if you make your decision and it feels right, mm. then just stand by it, you know, and I haven't regretted it. I miss I miss every day. I miss the people and I think about the times you used to have up there. Um, of course I do, and I still speak to them now. You know, I'm going to a couple of their weddings and I still talk to some of them every day. But um, it... It, I always just trust my gut as I'm a bit superstitious about that. I believe in fate. And it, for me, I felt like I was ready to finish. So I had to finish because if I just stayed for another year or did another six months, it wouldn't have been good. I wouldn't have done any good. My work might not have been as good as it was if I was buzzing to be there. I might be thinking, what if I had a gone? So, um, yeah, I did go and I loved every minute of being there. No, I wouldn't change a thing about it. Yeah, but that's like, I suppose, like a growing up period for you. If you're there like 18 to 21, yeah. you're in the best city to be going and growing up in and having seen. It was my uni. It was like my uni. My mates all went to uni at like 17, 18. So my mate, my best mate, Callum, he was at Stoke. A couple of my other mates went to Nottingham. And then I had um, my mate Lewis, my best friend, he was doing an accountancy apprenticeship. So everyone was kind of just coming into right. What am I going to do in my life? Mm. And that come at such a good time because we all. I kind of went away when everyone else went away. See him every now and then, and then we all kind of come back when we were like twenty one, and it's like we all just finished uni together. So it was really good. The only difference was was I was I was lucky enough to be actually working um, mm. and learning. I was learning on the job, um, and and come back and had a good. Good, you know, a really good bit of experience over there for three and a half years. So it was nice. Yeah. It was essentially my university. I went away to Liverpool, uh, done what I loved, got drunk, had parted, had fun. Not oh, before yeah. work, obviously. Not before <laughs> work. <obviously. laughs> um, so not on, the, not on a school night. But then, um, then yeah, so uh, ultimate professional. But, um, but yeah, I, that was what it was like. It just, it just fell into place perfectly at a perfect time in my life to be doing it. It probably helps as well that your character in EastEnders is so different, like that Aaron is so different than Robbie was. You know, some, there's no, and enough time has passed between the two soaps so that mm. anyone who kind of watches both of them, while they might, while they recognise you and go, oh, geez, I remember him from Hollyoaks, they can very much detach from that very quickly. Yeah, it was, it's very difficult. I always find when you read, a, when you read the scripts and with soaps, it's not like a film or a sitcom or a drama, you don't get, there you go, there's all the eps, there's the start, the middle and the end, and then you can go and prep. You get the first week. So you don't know what, you might know roughly what your character's going to do um, or this path is going to go down. So obviously I knew what the storyline was when I took Aaron on, um, you know, sort of the far right kind of racist um, storyline. It, 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 um, it was it was tough, but it was, that was something that sat in my head, was like, how do I make sure this is different to to the Roscoe Robbie Roscoe character because it was it could it be easy to make them very similar because they're both from sort of London they're both sort of Jack the lads they're both troublemakers but it kind of what it was very difficult to not have loads of stuff to play with in front of me so um, but what I love about the whole process of acting is you're going for your wardrobe fitting so you go okay what's he going to wear so you talk to the wardrobe designers 
you talk about the suits and the thing and the thing, and then you get the suits on, then you feel a bit different. And then, okay, how are you going to have your hair? What are you going to wear? What are you gonna, you know, all these little things, these decisions you start making is, okay, now I can see it coming. Now I see a different character there. Because on the page, it's not a diff- it's not that different. Um, but as you start to go through the process of what's it going to look like, what's it going to do, how's he going to walk, how's he going to talk, you know, how's he going to get angry, how's he going to get upset, you know, what does he hate, what does he not? And you do all these little workshops in your head, and I did some with the production team as well at EastEnders. And then once you actually probably, I'd say about a month into filming, you go, actually, yeah, I've got the character now. I know I know how we'd react to anything. Um, and then that was one of my proudest things. I look back and actually... I don't remember too much of watching like any many scenes from Hollyoaks. It was so long ago now, mm. and we have a great actors have a great way of just forgetting scenes once they've done them. Um, so it's it it now looking back on it, they were different enough, I think. So um, yeah, I was very happy with that. I find it really funny that actors um, forget scenes and fans don't. Like they just don't ever yeah. forget things. Like so, I'm, I'm shooting a scene tomorrow. I was supposed to shoot about two months ago. Uh, about about a month ago, I think it was, but it was um, it was someone was ill, so we couldn't shoot it. So I learned all the scenes, and then the next day, like I so said, like now I'm I'm shooting tomorrow. And I thought I need to learn them scenes, and then I think I was talking to my dad. He was like, "Didn't you learn them the other month?" I was like, yeah, but I, don't, "I don't I don't remember that." Like <laughs> they don't stick, you know. If I I mean, I, if I ever if I was to shoot tomorrow, which I am, and then you asked me on Thursday to do the scenes because it was Tuesday today. I wouldn't be able to tell you what what they would were <laughs> because you have to you have to get rid of it so quickly. I'm all like you have to just remember, forget. Um, and I'm quite lucky; my brain's quite good like that. See, and what's going to happen is I'll put this episode up, and somebody is going to message me going, "Why did he not remember this when Robbie, you know, punched Jason and Freddie jumped in?" And you'll be like, "What? Well, I don't know." Unless yeah, I, and and it sounds it sounds horrible to say that you don't remember that. There's scenes I remember vividly. But um, mainly because of stuff that was going on behind the camera, mm-hmm. like stuff we'd have had a laugh about before. Or I remember doing. Obviously, I remember the um, the stunts. I can remember all the stunts I've done there. I got I got to do quad biking, driving quad bikes. I got to be free falling off of bridges, going in white water rapids, and getting drowning in purpose-built storm drains. Um, so I had lots of fighting. I think we done boxing. We had some glass bottles being thrown. I got to drive loads of different cars because I remember a storyline where I was nicking cars. So I got to drive all different wicked cars. Um, and I think I run someone over with a truck. So I'm just trying to remember. So I remember all these little bits that I remember, like all this, the high-octane stuff. But you've got to remember, you know, you're shooting sort of five, six scenes a day five to six days a week for three and a half years it's difficult and also you don't watch it you don't always watch them all because you're filming so um yeah it is funny when we go do you remember when you done that and i go yeah yeah i might might not have done that i don't know if that was me (laughs) like that wasn't even hollyoaks that was that's Corey. that was a different thing (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it's gas I, I imagine though when you get a call saying EastEnders is is interested or you know there's a place going like that is that's the big one like come on yeah for me it was is it because as a southerner as a southerner we um we I've, I've, that's the one we watched really I know my, I know my nan when she was alive she liked them all but um are we was EastEnders but it was it's exciting because it's been on the cards for quite a long time and I mean I have speaking the way I speak and growing up where I grew up, I think 
when I was in school and I was doing the acting, I think all the drama teachers were like, oh, you'll be in EastEnders one day, you'll be in EastEnders one day. You'll be in EastEnders. And everyone used to think I was anyway, so I'd be like out at Asda or whatever, and people would be like, oh, you on EastEnders? And I'd go, no, I'm not. Yeah, you was. No, I wasn't. And they're like, you play Ben? I go, no, I didn't play Ben. I'm not play Ben. And then um, they go, oh, okay. And then now it's really awkward because I go, you on EastEnders? I go, yes, I am, yeah. Play Ben? No. So who do you play then? And then, so it's quite that's quite funny. But um, it was very exciting when I I knew they were genuinely interested about seeing me for they still they wanted to see me for an, another part. Um, and it it I did I did the meeting and whatever, and it just wasn't quite big enough. It was only a couple of episodes, and I always said that if I was going to do it, I wanted to I wanted to do something. Mm. I didn't want to just do come in a couple of eps and go i wanted to have a stint there purely for my for selfish reasons more than anything else because if i wanted to i wanted to spend a couple of at least a few months there i wanted to do all the little things on my eastenders bucket list that i would have wanted to do i wanted to have a fight i wanted to drink the vic i wanted to have a flirt with janine you know what oh. I mean? all these little I mean, all these little techniques that was my first scene that one but um just just little things that i, I said like if i'm gonna do it i want to do it you know, for a while. And um, luckily the casting director, uh, they basically, the casting team just said, yeah, we might have something come up, coming up for you in the summer. So I just said, okay. And I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of months later, they said, can you read for this part? And I sort of read it and it was sort of after I'd read for it straight away, it was pretty much done and dusted that it was going to go in our, our direction. So I was felt very lucky, but you saw anything things I've learned to, I don't get excited, not until I'm on set. Because so many things can go wrong. Yeah, I suppose you know. like there is. Well, first of all, you just learned that there was a pandemic, so you know if there, you'd be afraid. Oh yeah, I was just waiting for another lockdown. That was what you know what I mean, and 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 that's what anything. If we go, we go. Oh, I've got this. You know, you can say to my mum, my dad, or my other half or whatever. Go. Oh, just got a part in this. Start filming. Oh, brilliant! That's amazing. I go. Well, we, yeah. Well, you haven't signed any contracts yet. We'll just wait, and then you sign the contract, and they're excited even more. And you go. Well, just I know people that have signed contracts and not shot anything. Or shot it and it's been cut. Oh. So you can't really get excited until um until until you're on set, you know, and then you can enjoy it and then and then and then that's a time to celebrate, you know, and enjoy it and take it all in. But I I try and be very laid back about anything until I'm actually shooting it. That reminds me, I don't know, I don't know if you watch Gavin and Stacey, but there's a clip in Gavin and Stacey where um the dad has been told he's going to be given a big interview on the BBC he's News. He's going to be on the news. And it's like two yeah. seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened to me. I've been cut. What? I've been cut. It was, it was funny. It was one of the best jobs I've ever done as well. Well, I really enjoyed it. So it, it was a show, I don't know if you remember it, called um, Rock and Chips, yeah. which was um, only Falls and Naughty's prequel. So it was like when Del Boy was young. Mm. I mean, Rodman was even born yet. Um, and he's at school with Denzel and Boise and Trigger. Um, and I did a show called School of Comedy, and I think it was a director called Dewey Humphrey said, look, I'm, I'm starting to film Rock and Chips in a couple of months. We need someone to play the Driscoll brother. You know, there's one really tall one, really short one. Funnily enough, I was a short one. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, they, they didn't want to CGI it, so I had to play the small one. So they always, it was only like literally one word as well, because they used to have a a little thing where the, the tall one would walk in, I don't know if you remember it, and the goes, your brother not with you? And the little one would step out and go, yeah, and he's behind him. <laughs> so it was me and a, an actor uh, who lives around here, actually, um, who was the 
Driscoll's. And we only had one line. We had that little gimmick where we walked around and the brother not with you. Yeah, he is, steps out. But the whole idea was if they took it to series, which I knew they wanted to do, mm. that they would have some episodes of the Driscoll brothers. So I'd have the part going forward. But um, it come to it. And uh, I think, yeah, it was, I was like, this is the scene. This is the scene. And just as Del Boy goes to walk around the corner, they just cut to the next scene. So um, it was hilarious. And I think I was must have been 15, I reckon, 15 doing that. So but I took it very well. And I, I wasn't too upset. But it was, it never went to series, unfortunately. But it was uh, it was a great day because I I met Nicholas Lindhurst, who I've, I've, he's one of my heroes. I love Anifu's Nurses. I've met him a few times. I've been lucky enough to have a few conversations with him. Um, and um, the best, I mean, I was chatting to to this guy about half an hour about Only Fools and Horses and then I did my scene and went home and um, the AD went you know who you've been chatting to didn't you I said no he was like it's John Sullivan so I was like bloody hell and he chatted I didn't know who he was but he's chatting to me I was only young and he's chatting away about it I love this I said I love that scene I love this scene and he was sitting there smiling and um, yeah it was John Sullivan and yeah so I, I'll never forget that job um, but you will never see me on it Oh, like that is, I see, I would never tell anyone it, like at all until like nearly the day. I'd actually like, yeah. I'd probably watch it myself and then be like, just watch it back on the player there because yeah. they're so nervous. I, I've, never, I, I've heard of it happening um, and I imagine it will probably happen to me again in the future. So I'm, I'm not on the illusion it won't, but um, yeah, it was, it was, I can look back on it now and laugh, <laughs> but I had a, I had a, a blinding time being on that set for a day. Really good fun. At least you know they're not going to cut you out of your standards at the moment anyway, considering it's such a big storyline and everything. But like... I've been on it now, so it don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I remember I've got... The thing is, my poor Nana and everyone, she used to live in Norwich then, she had all the village rounds to watch it and I never went on it. But <laughs> the worst one, when I was on the Inbetweeners, my dad was... She rang my dad up. I said, oh, Charlie, on telly tonight. You went, yeah, yeah, Channel 4. Um, it's a bit crude, but it's. it's oh, it's, your nana was watching the Inbetweeners. Oh my god! My nana had her mates rounds. My nana had all the village rounds, and then you got Simon doing naughty things in a disco, and then I'd start swearing and shouting and kicking him. And um, bless my nan's face, she must have sat there and gone, "Oh, that's my grandson." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think the story, the moral of the story, is just stop telling me nan I'm on anything. Yeah, you tell her on EastEnders, then you come on as a big racist, and she's like, wow. Yeah, I'm a big racist, yeah, because the village would be going, who is this kid? What, why is he? <laughs> you don't want to go around Norwich. They're like, here comes that racist. They, they want to lynch me. They've got their pitchfork <laughs> yeah. shop and everything up there. But all the, all the things they've seen you in, they be like, right, she starts fights as a little fella. And yeah, he starts fights. He's a drug dealing, carnicking cheat, and then he's a neo Nazi racist as well. So. Uh, but my nan's still proud, so it's fine. <laughs> she's still she's still proud. That's that's good. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Although we'll see what the next role is, and she'll be like, I'm just gonna yeah, stop we'll, telling my we'll, friends. We'll have a look. Well, hopefully it might be some like a nice classy drama for her or something. Yeah, like a, a young Tommy Shelby or something in the pretty yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be nice. Yeah, she will even then lots of guns and violence yeah. again and actually yeah maybe all right uh, maybe cbb's downton i maybe i'll play i may play a servant in downton or something oh yeah okay well there you go although you they go. do have a lot of sex scenes in that show so there's also that but you, you yeah i won't tell you about that one <laughs> <laughs> whatever but killing and racism you don't want to see do a sex scene yeah yeah i don't want him i don't mind him seeing him killing people and doing that but i don't want to see him having sex it's my grandson <laughs> So now I'll keep that one quiet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god! How did you cope with this storyline you're doing though? Because like, you know, if it's if it's not exactly the most breeziest, easy going thing to take on, you have to. Because as yeah. well, so many people watch EastEnders, so the people are going to walk up to you and start mouthing at you in the street as well about it. Yeah, it was um, the 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 um the team were great at the BBC. They were great. They they met, they let me know exactly what I was doing before I did anything. So you exactly, tell me exactly what the, the the plan was. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things where if you, it's it's always difficult. You've got to trust the writers and you've got to trust the show. Mm. No, so I think I knew like it's EastEnders, it's BBC One. I knew they was going to do it in a way that was respectful and um, give it the, the attention it needed, and not just be like a sort of like a, a storyline that pops every now and then. They're going to give it a lot of airtime. They was going to show it, and, and the things if you make it too meek and mild as well, it doesn't do it justice because it's not real. Um, but you can't go the up too far with it, otherwise it becomes you know offensive and not nice. So you have to kind of find a happy medium. And I had full confidence that they'd do it, which they did. So that took a big weight off my mind. Um, the cast, so the, the, the people that look after the cast, the researchers, and, and the people that chat to you about story, dark storylines or anything like that, they were amazing. I had lots of Zoom calls with people from that walk of life that have been reformed and different charities and people like that. So that was good. There was a, I mean, luckily Touchwood, I haven't had anyone do anything, you know, be disrespectful about it in the street. Mm-hmm. I had a few, few nasty messages, but they're normally people just trying to get a reaction mm-hmm. and they're not even nine times out of 10 legitimate accounts. So there's nothing to worry about, but again, EastEnders monitor it all and they're on your side the whole time. So but yeah, it was definitely daunting. Um, but again, I, I think I sort of just put it to the back of my mind. I was probably a bit childish about it, really, and just thought, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then probably didn't actually take a step back. I think if I thought about it too much, mm-hmm. I could have been in trouble of saying this is not for me. But um, as I said, I trusted the team. I trusted the BBC. Um, and the cast were amazing about it because... You know, there's 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 people from different walks of life in the in, in the cast, and you know you're you're saying some pretty horrible things to people you like, mm-hmm. and you do have to. Luckily, you know, I worked, did a lot of stuff with Zach, uh, Stevie, Maisie about that part of the story, like, and Clay, who plays Bobby, and it was they were great about it. It just made me feel comfortable, and and just you know you're there to do a job. And the thing is, although I'm playing the antagonist, they're playing the protagonist. They're you're all on the same team. You're all there to go, right, we're telling a story together about this happening in real life and how it's wrong. But I've got the part of the villain. So yeah. you're all you're all playing the same, you're all on the same journey. You all try to do the same thing, but someone's got to play the the, the antagonist. And um, it is, I think the scariest thing about it was, it wasn't like I was playing a, a villain in a drama. Yeah. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to speak for other people and, People that, like someone like me, I've never been, you know, exposed to any, you know, prejudices like that or, you know, any, you know, discrimination like that. Mm-hmm. But I know people that have. So you're trying to, you're trying to do it justice for them um, and for, for, the, for the world show what people was right. So you just, you, I think the biggest pressure and the biggest fear was not doing a good job, not what the reaction would be. But um, I, it, it, people were great and people really, really responded well to it. So I think we achieved what we set out to do. Yeah, because I think if it's like, like we mentioned, like, let's say Peaky Blinders, they're gangsters 
and it's very easy for to make the portrayal of a gangster like they'll still have a heart of gold or you know you can learn to love them it's sexy isn't it it's kind of like this cool you know yeah you know you might be a drug taking gangster who shoots people but you're the everyone wants to see you doing that because you're the legend and, <laughs> yeah you know, you're Tommy like, Shelby whatever we want to see you doing that but like, yeah, we don't want to see me glorify what Aaron's doing at the same sense. So it's like, no, exactly. You can't, you can't make it. You can't make him. That was my biggest fear. I think with the Rob, with a Robbie character, with lots of characters I've played before, they're always doing something they shouldn't be doing, but they're always, you get away with it and it's fine. We don't want him to get nicked for stealing cars. We don't want him to get nicked for doing drug dealing. We don't want him to get caught cheating on his brother's girlfriend. Yeah. You know? But what with this, which was great. So when I started to get people saying, I hate this character, I hate this character, I hate this character, I realised that, okay, we're, we're on the right track now. There's nothing likeable about him. So that was when I realised that I'd, I'd found the character about a month and a half in. And I yeah. was like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy now because people, what I did on one was people going, oh, it's Aaron's cheeky, isn't he? No, he's not cheeky. He's a neo-Nazi racist. So <laughs> I was really, I was really happy with people hating the character. And despite he, he had one, there, he just wanted to punch him, and that was yeah. the thing I think we needed to try and try and go for. And I think we achieved it as a team. We got there. Yeah, no, definitely. Because you watch the scenes. I'd like the way when they started it off. It was subtle enough that there was comments and jokes. And then it'd be like, what, I'm only joking. And I suppose yeah. that makes people think when they start seeing what the end results started to work towards to be and what the, they had planned for the characters to show that, mm. I suppose, these comments can sometimes lead to this end result. Yeah, it was just kind of hold. I mean, one of the biggest things we said was, was just kind of holding a mirror up to people and saying, right, there is, you know, people can make, like Aaron's dad who's played by Ross, brilliant actor, love him. Love him to bits. Shame as a Spurs fan, but we'll let him have that one. Um, he's uh, he he kind of had the, he kind of portraying his character as someone that was you know um, Harvey as someone that's kind of like you know he makes a few jokes and says a few things, but he's a bit old fashioned, so he gets away with it. When actually we're trying to, that's not what happens. You need to change with the times. It was wrong then, and it's wrong now, and you need to. You need to learn, which his character's done. And then you've got a little bit further, you know, you've got that not too far removed from Aaron, you know. So we're just trying to hold, I think we just held a mirror up to society and people that watched it and just said, you know, where are you? It's wrong, but change. And I, and I think I think that's what we achieved. We showed different levels of it. Um, and then what you say about when he first come in, there was a few comments, but what I was really happy with, which was a bit of a sort of a good moment for me as an actor filming it, was even when he was like, I was doing the stuff with Maisie where Aaron's chatting up Tiffany and um, bit cheeky comes in. Um, the audience weren't on Zach's character's side because he'd been cheating on her and he mm. sort of, Aaron comes in and worms his way in. I was worried people are going to be like, oh, we like this Aaron. We like, yeah, he's going to sweep her off her feet. But straight away, people knew there was something they didn't like about him, and I and I, even they didn't know what yet. Mm. I was just really happy that people straight away went, "I don't like him, I don't like him." I was really <laughs> happy with that because it means you're doing the. Uh, there's not many times in life we would go, "I, I hate say. you." And, and, <laughs> but I was like, "Thank you." That's no, I'm well happy with that because it means I'm doing my job okay. <laughs> I love that people hate me. <laughs> yeah, I know that's it. It's great, and you got to remember. I think people can get people can get dumbed down by. They hate the character and or, or getting negative, negative, negative. Well, yeah, you, you, what do you want him to say? Well, yeah, I love him. He's racist. That's not what you're trying to do here. So it, I, I was very happy that um, 
that that was a comment from from the off. And um, yeah, looking back on what that that stuff at the start, I'm I'm, I'm happy with it. Very happy with it. I'd say you want your next role now to be something fluffy and happy and look at me. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. <laughs> something tells me that I ain't going to happen. <laughs> it would be nice. Racist way too well. This is the problem. <laughs> I know. We've got, well, you know, I've been lucky enough to to play lots and lots of different types of comedies and villains. And um, as I said, soap, soaps have a really tough job because they have to entertain, but they have to the voice of people as well. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be entertaining, but they all have this big responsibility of telling story, stories about real life people in real life and telling people and educating people, mm-hmm. helping people. Not many other shows have that. Most shows are there to entertain and that is it. Uh, to make you laugh, make you cry, make you scared, you know. But with 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 soap, they have a um to tell the darkest stories, but in the most um sort of mild way possible at their time slot so they have a right job on their hands um so they do an amazing job at that so i've been lucky enough to do that i've i've done lots of other parts i've, I've made people laugh made people cry maybe you know all this stuff so it would be nice to uh to see what happens next it would be nice to do something a little bit different 100 percent um i think i need to i think i've had so many months of being nasty i need to cheer up a bit <laughs> yeah just, just just slightly i need i need to have a laugh yeah, somebody goes clubbing all the time and just dances and has a few. Yeah, drinks. that'd be a great party. They don't do that. That's too many night shoots. It's too many <laughs> night shoots going out buying. <laughs> you don't want them. No, yeah, but you are right. Something a bit, something fun would be nice. But I've got a couple of things looking about coming up. Um, looking like it, we we're talking about for after extenders, whenever that finishes. I'm not 100 sure what the plan is yet. So. Yeah, we we will see, but it's all exciting stuff. I just hope whatever I do, I can keep working and keep doing what I like doing because that's the that's the goal. Yeah, well, you keep mentioning luck, but I keep I, like every time you mention luck and how lucky you are, I just keep thinking it's not just luck though because your talent has clearly shown that you can play all the different roles. And while it might be a lucky role that got you there in the start or whatever, but it's you don't you you've gotten so far, and it's not just by luck. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's, it's a combination. I think you do have to. You have to have a bit of a bit of luck on your side. You've got to sort of, you know, a bit be be half decent at what you do. Um, and and I think you've got to um take some risks. Take take risks. Otherwise, you know, I, I had a girl in Nando's, and then literally a couple of months ago, she come up to me and she said, um, like, I'm I'm an I want to do acting. And she was a waitress. I'm always in Nando's, so it was obviously going to happen in there. Uh, and she's, she's talking to me and she said, um, I've got an audition tomorrow for a, a drama school. She's only young. She was like, uh, or college or whatever. And she said, and, and I've got, and also like tomorrow, but I've also been asked to audition for this, this play. And I really want to do it. I said, okay, great. Good luck. I said, good luck. Like, you know, mm. she went, um, I can't go. I said, why can't you go? I've got to work. I said, don't come in. Yeah. yeah, but I'm on the road. I'll get sacked. I said, so get sacked. Go to go down the next Nando's and work if you don't get it, or go and do something. Else. You know, don't worry. Don't, like you don't, you got to take risk. Do it. Break some eggs. You got to, you know, do it. And she said, oh, do you think I should? I said, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, no matter what, if something's going on, if I've got audition, I drop whatever I'm doing. I go to that audition because that's what I want to do. You know, and and this doesn't have to be about actually with any any job interview or anything in life. If you want to go and do something. Go and do it. Don't worry about everybody else. 
Yes. Yeah. No one else worrying about you. So just go, you know, within reason, of course. I'm not being funny. If you're if you've got if you're a brain surgeon, you've got someone in for a bit of surgery, you maybe do the surgery. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, um, do the surgery I mean, and then do like a self-tape or something. Yeah. But but not bringing out someone's butterfly chicken, I think, is, is absolutely fine to do that. And I, I don't ever know what happened. I hope she went, but um, yeah, you've just got to do it. So you've got to have a bit, you know, take some risks, be, have a bit of luck, be half decent what you do, and you've got to have you love it enough to just take all the rubbish that comes with it, which is and there's a lot of it. And I think that's the same in any any job in the world, to be honest. You've got to get a lot of no's because then it's one step closer to the yes, then you know. Yeah, and just to be able to pick yourself back up again and go. Okay, I'll just go when the no comes along, I'll try for the next one and hope it's yes. It, it is difficult. I think if you get loads of no's, I don't really care normally. I care, of course I care, but I don't let it affect me. I think what is the tough one is when you get very close mm. and you've had a tape, an audition, a screen test, a second screen test. They're asking for the dates. Are you available for this? And then yeah. they don't go. Um, it's tough because you start to, no matter how much you suppress it, you start to hope a little bit. And and it is hard. I mean, I've done it long enough now, so I'm I've had that happen loads of times, and I just know it's part and parcel of it. Um, but for a young person or someone that's new to it, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It certainly ain't the easiest thing in the world. No, I don't know how any is do it. If one someone would say one bad thing to me, and I'd be like, well, I will think about this for the next forty six years, and <laughs> I'd be like, well, yeah. Do you know what though? I think that's the hardest thing about it was no one does say anything bad about you. No one gives you any criticism. Quite a lot of the time, it's oh, it just wasn't quite right. Thank you though. It was great. Now, I mean, that's only my experience, mm. and I mean, some, some I agree with. Some are like, yeah, he's just not old enough, or he looks a bit too old, mm. or wasn't quite right. Blah, blah blah. I mean, you see the person playing your part, and. Nine times out of ten, I would say the cast director gets it right, mm. in my experience. Um, but it doesn't stop it. It doesn't help. That doesn't help you at all. Do you know what I mean? You know, it? but um, it, I, I'm one of them people. I do like. I like taking notes. I love directors that give give loads of notes. Mm. I love directors that come in and go, just try this. Why don't you try that? Have you thought about doing this? You thought, I love that. I, thought, I don't really like it when a director goes, cut, great, brilliant, moving on. I'm like, oh, is that okay? All right, fine. I like to do it again. I like to have a note. And that's the same in audition room. If I could, I think any actor's dream would be you didn't get the part. Oh, why was that? Can you give me some point? And mm. then have a, you know, but that doesn't happen. It's like any job interview. They don't really tell you why. You just say, sorry, no, thank you. And um, unfortunately, you don't get a lot of criticism. So it's probably a good thing. Because you're probably right. If they sat there and said, you're just a bit too chubby, you're too, too, you know, you you're not tall enough. Your accent's too... All right, you can stop there now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Carry on. Giving it all that. Um, yeah. You could have just you know, said it's because I'm not ginger. God's sake. Yeah, careful what you wish for. But um, you haven't got a six-pack. You know, you, you've got to be... But, um, yeah, no, it, it would be nice to get a bit of... Sometimes you do wish for a bit of criticism because it gives you something to work on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it is, it's definitely one of the things. You can write, you can write out the bad side. When you're doing the job that you love, it makes all of them hours of taping and auditioning and script running for stuff you haven't got worth it. And you have to remember them times when you're doing it, I've found. When you're sitting there and you're on set and you're having a laugh and you've done some really good work in the morning, you know, you've got another couple of weeks booked in on that job. you just got to take a step back and go, that's why I've done all them hours of tapes and, and meetings. Well, I tell you, you're some man. You've great. That, you've, anyone who's listening who's an aspiring actor now is like, right, I'm taking down these notes, taking down these notes. <laughs> you're going to be a little acting coach by the end of this. No, I don't know about that. I just think I just I just think it's it's. I wish someone 
had sat there and told me this when I wanted to do it mm. because um, because it would have just made it easier. I've, I've read a book, I can't even tell you, which is amazing for me. Uh, I was probably I was waiting for him to make it into a film before I watched it, but my mate made me read it. Uh, he used to play my brother. I'm sure it was here we go. Yeah, it was Joe. Uh, no, his real name's Joe. His stage name's Aiden. He played Joe on, on Hollyoaks. Just to oh, yes, him. I know him. Yeah, so, the elder, he was the elder brother. He's the oldest, yeah. So he, he, I talk to him every day. He is like, I live with him, unfortunately for him, for a very long time. Um, and he still has a guy at me about not taking the bins out and not clearing up after myself and I haven't lived with him for six years. But he, um, he, I love him. He gave me this book. I'm sure it was him who gave me this book. And it was literally about, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was literally just about actors' life, about all the funny things that, you know, casting directors say, agents say, that what happens when you get on set. And I think the first five chapters are just about not having a job. And it was a book that I think everyone should read. Um, that's where I normally tell you the title, but I'm not going to because I can't remember what it was called. But it was it was one of those things Thanks. where I... Imagine all the messages learned, I'm going to get from these aspiring actors and I'm going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. I can't remember what it was called, but it was one of the things where what I've learned, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from it actually. And um and then I've learned a lot from actors that have been in the game for like 30 years, 40 years, that have told me these things throughout my life. And I just, you know, I just think if I can tell people that, yeah. it's not too far away from people think, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that, or she's doing this, she's doing that. It's not too far away. It starts with one job or one meeting with one agent. Yeah. Um, but it might take 10 to get there. So yeah, but if anyone is is you know aspiring to do it, I just say go and do it. You only live once, go and have a go. And if it don't work out, you haven't lost anything, you know. Exactly. And well, you might have lost your job if you work in Nando's. You might have lost your job if you work in Nando's, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's imagine that. Imagine that. There's me thinking I'm doing a good thing, and she's at home. She's mum's kicked her out because she can't pay her housekeeping. She didn't, you know, she. <laughs> She didn't get the parts. She didn't get the meeting. Now she's oh no! Imagine she's that suing you. She's suing you. Stupid idiot of the telly, telling me to give up my shift. The the and Nando's don't want me. The Chelmsford Nando's don't want me. I've got to go to Pitsy Nando's now. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, bless her. Well, she's listening, which about it because she uh, her mum's already cut her Wi-Fi off. I, uh, <laughs> I she He's in it. a Starbucks, being like sitting there all day, just on the one cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got any jobs going? Okay, my stupid listens that idiot off the TV. <laughs> no, I'm sure she's got it, and the rest is history. We'll see her on the stage, and we'll see her on the screen in years to come. She'll play your girlfriend in some new the next show you're in or something. Yeah, I don't she's got a name badge on, so I can... I can <laughs> so you can remember who she is, and yeah, you can tell her yeah. about this great... <laughs> <laughs> no, but just go for it, is, my, is what I say. Have a crack, have a crack. Well, Charlie, I've had such crack talking to you. It's been great. I've kept you an hour, but it's been so much fun. No, it's been great. It's been lovely coming on. Really, really nice. Really, really thank, thank you for having me. Oh, look, I'm delighted you could do it. And listen, um, if I'm not talking to you before then, good luck with the wedding. Have an absolute ball. Thank you very much. Make sure you turn up on time. Yeah. Don't get tied to anything the night before, like lampposts or anything like that. No, I've done the stag. I've, I'm, I'm on. I'm locking myself down for a week beforehand, so no one can do any stupid stuff. <laughs> no one can shave those eyebrows. Probably, <laughs> my best man's probably going to do something stupid the night before and get us both in trouble. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. I hope I haven't given him ideas because no, I can't I have my wife I'm, coming after me. He's staying here with me the night before, so. Um, so, yeah, as long as we don't end up drunk, 
that is tick one. Tick one. That's all you need to do. Just turn up and be sober. <laughs> That's that literally that is all I have to do on the day. Yeah. Remember the boots, turn up and don't be drunk. That is a free, free things I've got to remember. So much I'm easier for one, out, one out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I've got the suit on. Right, I'm on no, I've got the suit on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Listen, thank I'm you. gonna let you go and learn your lines for tomorrow. And thank you. Amazing. Nigga, thank Listen. you so much. Oh, you've been so lovely. I've had such a ball and I will chat thank you soon. You. See you later. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, wasn't that the best crack? Like, honestly, if you're not coming away from that laughing, you're a grumpus because I came away in stitches. I came downstairs. I had a big red face and I had a sore face from laughing. We just had so much crack, honestly. Also, his accent. Unreal. The amount of people that messaged me after my interview with Tom Grennan saying his accent was incredible. I'm going to guess the same people are coming at me. You know I love an English accent and you know I love like a proper geezer accent and that is it. I love it. That East London. Mm, beautiful. Um, And Charlie was just a joy. Like he's playing such a serious role and he didn't take that responsibility lightly. He's done his research. He's done, he's made people hate him, which is what you want with a character like that. You don't want to come across as lovable. You want to be able to see that this is not an okay route to be taken in life. And of course, if you're a Hollyoaks fan, you'll know, you would have loved him as Robbie Roscoe. Remember that whole family, Freddie and uh, Joe, who was the big brother who you mentioned earlier, and then his twin brother, Jason, who I loved. He was just so adorable. And the two of them then left together, the twins, and went off into the sunshine. And actually, I have met Charlie, um, who played Freddie. Uh, I went over to the set of Hollyoaks when he was still there, and he's absolutely lovely. Such a nice guy. So if you're listening to that, Charlie, you might remember me and my mad friend, Michelle. We had such crack with you. Anyway, it was just so lovely to chat to Charlie. And of course, go and follow him on Instagram, and you'll get like all the latest updates on what he's doing, what's happening with Aaron in EastEnders. So keep watching there, because from what I can tell, it is going to kick off soon so um, even more so than it already has been and then of course we have to watch it wait and see what's going to be happening for him he's been hinting about some other stuff what is it you wouldn't tell me I'm dying to know maybe it's Corey <laughs> maybe he's in Beaky Blinders the last episode I talked a lot about that hmm interesting and I hope his grandmother is listening to this and if she is I hope um, you enjoyed because she seems like such a legend of a sports system Anyway, really hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please come and like and subscribe and follow and rate the whole lot. Uh, If you're listening on iTunes, rate and leave a review. If it's Spotify, just rate us, follow um, and come and follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you and hear like, you know, have you met Charlie? Have you have you got any suggestions for guests? Come let me know. Um, It's been lovely to chat to you this gorgeous Saturday and I hope you have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Slong of fall. Bye. 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 Bye.